Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Russell Crowe. One Kevin Costner. One fortnightly discussion of comics nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. We hope for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 294? How, how, how is that possible? I know. It's been a long time. I do want it on the record that Robbie would not let us do this intro unless I volunteered to be Kevin Costner. Kevin and then Costner. we talked about, about, then we talked about Kevin Costner for like five minutes. Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know what that show's about, but I know exactly who it's for. <laughs> no, it, it's about, it's about a, a grumpy old man being grumpy. Okay. Fair enough. It, it's a, it's a, it's about, it's about an old man going around scowling at things <laughs> And then everyone saying, you don't understand, old man. And then at the end of the episode, they're like, you're right. (laughs) You're so right. Give me money, please, sir. Good show. Sounds like a great idea. I mean, that you you do that and people throw money at you i'm 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 going to start doing it you should you should t- absolutely it's, it's just it's just going to be like it's going to be it's going to be called uh the white guy or something i don't know scowl and, mm-hmm, yeah it's just there's there's a reason that that motherfuckers love john galt um <laughs> Hey, so those guys both played Robin Hood. That is our. <laughs> that's the gag. <laughs> that's yes. the gag. Because uh, Robbie wouldn't let me be Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn's too cool. Er- Errol Flynn's pretty good. He was a he was a a very talented man. I would recommend. There's a video about him on a YouTube channel called Bread Sword. You should watch. Uh, we're we're talking about Green Arrow this week. We, we, mm-hmm. we read The Longbow Hunters by Mike Rowe. We're going to be talking about that later on in Nerd Boy Book Club, our first Green Arrow book. took us 294 weeks to do it, but we did it. 294 episodes. More than 294 weeks. It would have been 294 weeks, except that at some point we realized we were both human men and stopped doing weekly mm-hmm. episodes. It which... wasn't that long ago, honestly. It was like 2017. Yeah. It was really... For the, for the majority of this... Of the life of this podcast, we were recording this every week and reading, like, five trades every week. We are crazy people. That is what the actual answer was. We are lunatics. Yeah, it's definitely true. Uh, But that's later on. Before that, we have comic books that came out much more recently to talk about. It's time for our first segment. It's time for Floppies for Nightly. Floppies for Nightly is the part of the show, Eric and I. Read a selection of the past couple of weeks' books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. Uh, we have a mush meter goes one to five if we're feeling mushy about our decision. Our first book of the week is Not All Robots, number one, written by Mark Russell, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors Lee Luffridge, letters Steve Wants. Now, hey, Eric. 
Hey, buddy. This comic book is written by Woke Flintstones, Mark Russell. Um, and now on the surface, it may seem like it's about robots. Are okay. you telling me this is about something else? It's, but on the underneath, it's about... On the underneath. On the underneath levels, it's about men. I really need to learn Mark Russell's name. He's got the most generic has, name. It's a very generic. It's just two first names. Yes. Mark Russell. <laughs> yeah, it's the most generic name. And I just glossed over it every time. Like, oh, some guy wrote this, whatever. And I mean, really, Mark Russell needs to go on my, my fucking route, Mount, Mount Rushmore fuck of comic book writers. Because everything is a fucking banger. Um, and this could be terrible. This could be incredibly bad. It's very, it would, it's, it, it's really easy to make it real bad. Yes. And I, I think that he has come into it with the right sensitivity to dissect this in such a brilliant way. Like it's not, it manages to one, not be entirely one-sided and it also doesn't both sides the the thing. And I think that as a thought experiment, it's brilliant as it you can very easily look at these super not human robots and think, oh, this is a giant, powerful machine that will tear me apart uh, if I make it angry. And I like there are still plenty of people that will not see the art in this, and those people don't read. Um, <laughs> but this is good. There will probably, at some point, I don't know, it's why has the anti SJW wing of the internet not discovered this man and complained about him? You want to, because you... this shit is fucking, this, this shit is good. I love it. It's just, it's based as fuck. I love this comic. No, it's very good. Uh, I would, I'm, I'm sure there are some people who don't like him, but you, I, the easy answer is why he doesn't get the large, a uh, large part of the, yeah. of the, the ire is because, because he's, he's a, a boy. He's a white man. That's why yes. <laughs> it's not complicated. Yes. I, I, I would really like to not believe that, but God almighty, when I see the, hatred some people get for nothing for fucking existing i i don't understand like uh, even like even in fucking leftist spaces like people will dogpile a woman it's weird humans are fucked up it is uh, it, and it, robots too that's i think mean, that's this is it manages to do that like it's why he's a good writer is because he can mm -hmm. Like it is very clearly satire, and it is, but it, mm -hmm. but it still manages to engage you on a level that is just not look at this issue. Yeah, it's not just look at this issue. Look at this. This is all about look how men look about. We're talking about men. We're talking about toxic masculinity today. It's not just that. I, yeah, it's the. I think is in in terms of um, slogans that completely fail to reach the people that they need to fail. And I think uh, toxic masculinity is up there with uh, defund the police. They're, 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 they both 
do nothing but make people immediately so angry they are irrational and just want to scream. It's it's a like because you like your you, this this mean robot guy. Uh, you he has a character, and he has and you mm-hmm. and you understand him, but you also understand that oh, there's other the other issues here, and you understand that they have an idea. And what you said about oh, they managed to not make it. Yeah, not make it about how oh robots are evil and men are evil. It's yes. about they are placed in a yeah. system yes. just like everyone. It, it's it it is amazing because I really love the sensitivity of that, and it's really clear that um, he's got a lot of empathy and understanding of how um, how. I hesitate to even say the online right, but let's say the online far right radicalizes people because they say these exact things, you know, and you, you have people under this kind of pressure. Yeah. They snap and hurt people. It's terrible. And there's a robot that yells at the other robot. You're getting cut. (laughs) Yes. so stupid. It's so great. amazing it's so good it's so stupid it's so fucking it's good. amazing uh i this is this is they kill excellent they kill bubble orlando <laughs> the, 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 the fucking no they gas them all it's yeah. amazing although i thought you would grouse about the fact that they have disneyland in bubble orlando and disneyland's in fucking Kissimmee. no i mean i if they're gonna that's the thing like in if this was like a serious comic i probably would be but this is clearly mm-hmm. like if they're gonna save any parts of orlando in the bubble come on i mean i it's very easy to hand wave away the fact like you know they they can always they have fucking robots they can move it uh but i, I this is this is like the the matrix but they all live together in the fucking real world you know the machines are tending to to them mm-hmm uh, I I think um I I've always liked Mike Diodato and I like that he he draws fifty million robots in this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting seeing them two work together because it feels like this is that you know Diodato's art is more more um lifelike, um more detail detailed art he than a lot of draw a robot. Let me tell you, yeah, a lot of the time you, uh, I think Mark Russell has been paired with like very cartoonish mm-hmm. uh artists, and this time. You know, I mean, using... Flintstones was a very realistic-looking uh, drawing true. comic. That's true. Um, I didn't think about that. I wasn't thinking about like Wonder Twins or Billionaire Island. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a buy. You should buy this book. It's good. It's an excited buy. I I, I really like it. The dad in this looks like uh, a little bit like Jim Cornette. So I'm gonna can't can't wait for him to die in this this fictional story. <laughs> It's a double pie on not all robots. Number one. Next up is Barbaric. Number two, written by Michael Morecci, Art Nathan Gooden, colors Addison Duke, letters Jim Campbell. Uh, this was just a treat for us, Eric. I I appreciate it. Although I think not as good as issue one. Eric, Eric, am I here? Eric, I'm gonna stop you right now. You keep saying my name. I'm gonna keep. So love to hear I'm it. gonna keep saying your name, Eric, 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 Eric. This is a te- this is this is this is good content for me, but I don't know <laughs> yeah. about for everyone else. Listening. I could literally 
I could like write. I could have written that down. Just like when you said that your dad loves Yellowstone, I could have oh, written yeah. down that Eric is not going to like issue number two as much as he likes issue number one. I mean, that's it the is... shape stories take. That's normal, but still, I I understand that you know, a, an issue two is an issue two, but it still fucking needs to be said because I can't transmit. My, my, you know, I can't, tr- I can't make content with my brain. I Man, have to speak it aloud or draw it. That's the dream. I don't, people, you don't want in, you do not want in this prison. Trust me. <laughs> no, I mean like being, being you don't able want to... to be locked in here with me. <laughs> You're locked in here with me. Uh, no, it's meaning to like, I don't have to actually spend time creating things. I could just send my brains ideas to the world and they just exist. Like, well, <laughs> Like Doctor Manhattan. That, that that's a that's that's even beyond a culture of steam. That's a culture of plasma. Yes. Uh, this. I mean, I don't know. I. It's not as. I don't know. It's not as exciting as that first issue, but I no. still enjoyed it quite a bit. It's it's really good and explores the characters and the scenario. Um, little twist there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, for now. I. I mean. I want to read all of this that they make. Mm-hmm. I don't care how long it goes on. I feel like this could go on for six years and stay interesting without too much trouble. There's a lot of meat on these bones, um, a lot of exploration they can do into this world and these characters. And I would gobble it up. Yeah, the, apparently, the, I mean, these are burglar noises when I did it. These are uh, these issues are both have been oversized issues and apparently they're only doing this first arc will be three issues long yeah so i don't know if they're is that the the how they're going to do it from now on i don't know but i don't mind it uh the art is still beautiful um i still laughed multiple times out loud at some of the lines in this uh it's good it's it's really dead why do i feel pain (laughs) the ghost a ghost warrior why do i hurt (laughs) sorry man it's nature of life, huh? I guess. And death, apparently. Uh, but you get some backstory, uh some fun I can't I like it's weird calling this book fun again when it's like all about like necromancy and death and curses, but it's fun. I mean, if that's not a good time, I don't want to come to your party. I guess that's fair enough. But if it was not clear after I think it yes, it's not as I don't think any issue two has ever been better than the issue one because it it can't be, I think. It's built in almost to a certain extent. Um, yeah. But I am still a buy. You should be reading the series. I subscribed. Here, I, I'm subscribed to this on Comixology. Uh, if you're out there, you should be... I will also buy this in trade. That is what... I'm going to be mm-hmm. that idiot who buys it twice. You should do that, too. I'm a buy. I, I, they need to make 100 issues of this so I can read all of them. Because they are good. The Walking Dead have The Walking Dead, but barbaric issue eighty this, this turns can, the corner. Th- th- you can get more variety out of this than The Walking Dead. Yes, you, that is one hundred percent true. Uh, it's, a, it's like looking at it's like looking at One Piece, which is way, way, way longer than The Walking Dead. But Oda is a crazy person, and his comics are constantly full of insane, crazy ideas. Where The Walking Dead is like, here is a new guy. He's also mean. People are the real zombie. (laughs) We are the walking dead. Kirkman, it it stuns me 
how good how good Invincible seems to be. Who knows? Maybe it got terrible. I I want us to read all of it eventually, but who knows when that's going to happen. That's a double buy. Barbaric number two. Next is The Me You Love in the Dark, number one. Story by Scotty Young, Art Jorge Corona. Colors, Jean-Francois Bilio. And letters, Nate Picos of Blambot. I have very mixed feelings. Do you really? Yeah. Tell me about them. Um, because there's lots of this. A lot of this I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Even um, one, it's very pretty. The it art looks really neat. The art is really good. I, I I like the um the the approach they're taking to it. It's it's a kind of thing that you don't expect to see as comic art on a page. Um, it's like a weird kind of midpoint between uh comics and illustration. You know, but mm-hmm. I really think it's excellent. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it looks great. So that's obviously a strength. It's not that it's poorly written at all. Um, This character, this this artist, she's, you know, interesting enough. I'm a little tired of I, I kind of resent this trope Um, because I feel like it's so well tread. Maybe I just notice it more because I also have also a what artist. trope is she? The. The, the the blocked artist. The artist who is incapable of creating the success once successful, apparently she's enough has enough money to go rent a house just out of nowhere just to create art in. So certain levels of success. And now, oh, for whatever reason, she is unable to create more art. And, you know, and if it was writing it'd be writer's block and I don't know what you would call it, you know, with a, a painter. But a similar idea of some sort of reason she is unable, unable to create. And I'm, I, re- I kind of resent the idea that you, I don't know. There's a lot of like, you know, Jack Torrance in The Shining is the probably the most famous of that kind of trope of some guy going away in the middle of nowhere to make more art and then goes crazy and encounters ghosts. Because that's what The Shining is, and this feels... This is not... These ghosts seem innocuous. They're not evil. This doesn't seem like it's going to be her going crazy. No, probably this not. Is, this is this is like Scooby-Doo level, like, haunting. Is, are you telling me you that know. she's going to take the mask off somebody at the end? <laughs> They're going to be like... I mean, uh, could be. You don't fucking know. That's true. Maybe it's like... Maybe it's a, that gallery guy hires a ghost person to try and uh, be her mm-hmm. muse. Yeah, it was the guy who was trying to buy the amusement park. <laughs> I mean, I All think. Along. It, I mean, I think that's that. I, I that's not enough for me to like not like this comic book. Gosh, I think this. It's just it's not a lot happens in this issue. It's you know I think that's the, and it's not necessarily bad, but it is. We just read, you know, we read, and maybe it's because I read Longbow Hunters this week, where it's like not a lot of comic, but it's very dense. You know, mm-hmm. and this is a very thoroughly modern, decompressed storyline. You know, and you know, it's, it's cinematic. Yes, and I, uh, I think that's my main, my main actual complaint. I wouldn't, I hesitate to even call it a criticism because it's not there. You know, they chose to do it. Right. I, me personally, I have no such reservations um, because I have empathy for artists and not just puppies and kitties. Um, you artists are to be whipped, including myself. Of course, of course. How's that work out for you? I mean, I'm I have eight books out. 
it's true. It's true. Your, my mental uh, health? Like, well, I am sorry. You know you can always talk to me. Um, it doesn't. We don't have to record it. Uh, your the 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 copy of Death Rattle did not get stolen. It was oh, good. That's it good. was in the the mail lock box lock box. So I was able to get it. Hey, Death Rattle out now. You should buy a copy. You should. Um, my book. um, no, I I think this looks great. I think it's a. It, at least for me, you know, I, I am in a moment in my life where all of my friends are artists or creators. Like, essentially, I spend most of my time hanging out with gay artists. Like, that's just my life now. I sympathize and empathize deeply with this character. Um, I, don't, I don't think this is an overdone trope because, I, you know, you gave... One good famous example of it, for sure. I don't think it's going to go that direction. I just, this is, this is quirky artist girl meets ghosts, hijinks ensue. Who knows how dark this is going to be. It feels like it's going to be, I don't know, a little haunted mansion-y semi-benign. Who knows, like, how dark they're going to take it. It really doesn't give you much, though. That is very true. Um, it is only a, a small bite of this story. Yeah. And it, I think when you, you have kind of drummed this into my head, Eric, cause you say it a lot and not that mm -hmm. it's incorrect. I think that's the problem that is very correct. Cause like, think about this, if this was a TV show Yeah, and you did that, you, you mentioned all the time, this, this is what, two minutes of a TV show. Do you know where I got that from? No. Justin Jordan. Okay. That makes sense. He's, he says a lot of wise things. But because this, like, it's literally, this would be two scenes. This is, or three scenes. A scene, three scenes of a show would be the first scene, she arrives at the house. It's a minute long. Second scene, she tries to paint for the first time in the house, fails. It's a minute long. Third mm -hmm. scene, she tries to paint, and then the ghost arrives. It's a minute long. That's three minutes of a TV show. And you're like, I know that's not yeah. necessarily a fair comparison, but... When I'm paying four dollars for a comic book, and there's only and yeah. this is a five issue arc, I'm like, is every issue going to be three minutes of a TV show? Mm -hmm. I'm I would still still buy this in trade. I think the, the art is beautiful. Scotty Young's a very talented creator. I'd give this a shot, but I'm not going to be reading this issue to issue. And I think that's a fair take. Um, it doesn't really jump out at me as something that needs to be every issue. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still, I, I think it's really good. I think there's an, enough good stuff going on here. Um, you know, I, I think if you, if you like, if you like spooky stories that aren't too spooky, that's probably what this is going to be. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I wonder if it's going to be a little like, um, what is it? The Shape of Water. What's the Guillermo del Toro movie? That is that is a certainly a Guillermo del Toro movie. If that's the one you're thinking of, that makes me think that this is going to go in that direction. That it's a a, a non conventional sort of queer coded romance story because you know that's what these stories are often about. You know, with monsters and and ghosts and things, um, or at least historically they have been and 
even in modern days, they speak very deeply to uh, queer folks that don't feel represented. Um, I wonder if that's the direction it's going to go to. I don't know if that's entirely Scotty's um, intention, but that's often the way these things are interpreted. Like, I think Guillermo del Toro, it probably was his intention uh, to speak to a queer audience. And sometimes these things just sort of happen on accident. It's appropriated after the fact. Um, I'd like it. I think it's a solid buy, but you don't need to read month to month. month. It's too much. Okay. That's a double buy the trade on the me you love in the dark. Number one. Our next book is Static, Season 1, Number 1, uh, written by Vida Ayala, layouts by Crisscross, finishes in color by Nicholas Draper-Ivy, letters by Aaron World Design. I am not will make a Crisscross joke. I was going to say these layouts are going to make you jump, jump. I didn't. Do I will it. make it for you. Okay, fair because enough. Because uh, I have no such shame. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, I We missed this issue. Uh, again it's uh, this came out at this jo- i was looking i've been waiting for i know like i knew they were rebooting milestone and i'm like we're gonna read i wanted to read the first static and then it came out and i missed it somehow because i'm blind or because dc insists on having all their books coming on tuesdays now and everyone else comes on wednesdays um but this is this came out i don't know three weeks ago or something it doesn't matter um mm. like i said hey it's static it's milestone comics again uh, this is not the only one, but is obviously Static is the figurehead, probably the most famous of those characters by far. Certainly the one that had a cartoon um, that a lot of people watched. Um, the Legacy of Dwayne McDuffie, one of them. Yep. So it's, I don't know. I don't know. I, we can start with, how would you, what do you think about this comic, Eric? I have a lot of uh, pretty distilled thoughts about it. Okay. Um, I like the artwork of Nicholas Draper Ivy, uh, quite a lot. Uh, I think he's a very talented man. Uh, he's very good at drawing black people. And I think that that is worth discussing because it is not a thing that is done enough in, uh, modern pop art and culture. So it is nice to see that handled, uh, with, the right level of sensitivity. Like he's basically famous for drawing black characters. Like he did many, many series of fan art of various characters, but he would draw them like as, as black people or POC or something. And honestly, they were all bangers. Um, I mean, I even own a piece of, of art that he did for me. He's a very cool person. I have never liked his comic pages that much. It's just something about it that is challenging for me to say. I mean, he's not even doing these layouts. um, And I think that that helps him. Someone sort of telling him how to draw the story, but the pages themselves leave me a little bit cold. Um, And the story was really taking a while to get heated up. Like it's very, it's very teenage superhero by the numbers, absent of all those other things that are good about it, you know, that he brings to the table and that, um, shit, what's her name? I feel so stupid that I don't just have it in the pocket. Uh, Vita, Vita Ayala, 
Yeah. Do you know how to say it? I mean, that's my Ayala is my assumption. Maybe it's yeah. wrong, but I think that's they right. they're going to bring I think good perspectives to it, but this is kind of the blandest possible starting point. Um you're not excited about this comic from what's on the page. You're excited about this team and what they're bringing to it and yeah, like the legacy of these characters. That's what you're excited about. And it's almost like they're too afraid to really stick their neck out and make a, a very incredible statement with the platform that they have. This is, of course, one issue. It could be that they were really scrutinizing them carefully and they're telling them you have to do this and really ease people into it or you don't want to... You don't want to alienate a white audience or whatever. It's so hard to say um, why they kind of shot for the middle here. I mean, it's 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 a they're in a hard spot. I can't yeah. you can't I can't like deny that. Like one, yeah, you're picking up the 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 main character of a very important comic book and important comic book universe created by a, a, a very influential and important comic creator who died too young and and you have to, and you're writing then you're starting the new book that's going to be the flagship book probably of this line and you want to one honor that legacy and do right by the creators who worked so hard on it back in the day you, and you, you want to make it good obviously and exciting and interesting you want it to not alienate new readers, people who haven't read old static or aren't familiar with the character at all. Uh, you want it to be marketable and successful. That's with it, like every comic book. You want to make it, you need it to sell. It doesn't matter how, like, they will, who knows what they'll do if it sells poorly. It feels like when they've already calling this season one, it feels like they're going to, they're already marketing this differently than this, you know, DC doesn't market in seasons. There's a lot of people now picking up that trend because that's what a lot of web comics are doing is seasons, just like you would a TV show because people are more familiar with that idea than a comic book arc or whatever. They call it a season. Um, and But they also want to have to make it, you know, say something, have a, a bold perspective and has to do all those things. And you're like, wow, that's, that's hard. That's hard to do. Um, I think the art is good. I agree with whatever all everything you said. I'm not as familiar with his work prior to this, but I I didn't notice really. I think that having someone else do your layouts probably is helpful, you know, especially yeah. if you're you're not used to you know storytelling like that, um, or you're not as good at it. it it's no shame in that, you know. Um, he's he's a very he's a very strong illustrator, um, but I I think his strength is more in character design and concepts and things like i think that this is this is kind of this is better than i was expecting in his other comic page he's done a lot of comic pages but they're they leave me very cold like i think that yeah it's not like this is the first time he's ever done it no but i think the assist really does help him because mm -hmm. his stuff is just it might also just be a product of we need it on this schedule. And how can you get that done in that time? He's like, oh, I need someone else to do the layouts. I can't do it, but I can't do it all. And that 
I mean, I think it helps a lot. Yeah, honestly, that, that's the that's just a product of modern comic books and their schedule demands. Um, I mean, not even modern comics, comics forever and their schedule demands. Mm. I think that this has a lot of promise and a lot of potential. Like you said, it's not that this is bad. It is just like this is a fairly standard story shape. Uh, yeah. a, a, a kid learning his powers and fighting a bully, and then there's bigger ramifications that you don't expect at the end. It's the kind of thing that, like, it's how Invincible, um, I, of course, me being only familiar with the TV show, it's how Invincible started, but there was a hard shift. Like, it changed radically. I don't think this is going to change radically. This Probably is not anytime soon. Yeah, not, this is going to be the stock standard comic book teen story i mean i think of something like miss marvel you know that's when i like i want to like look back mm -hmm. at a, a relative what is like what i consider the hallmark of modern teen yeah. storytelling teenage com super comic superhero storytelling i think something like that miss marvel managed to i think yes. because she, because that book had some tweaks in that in those yeah. tropes it made it feel a lot fresher even if it was mostly the same of this you know a girl in high school etc cetera, etc cetera. um we but... also really learn a lot about uh uh kamala and her character and her family where this is basically only showing us surface level by design we don't get anything but the most tropey personality from every one of these characters um like everyone is a role. Yeah. You they're, know, the, the dad is just a dad. The mom is just a mom. We're not, we're not learning anything about any of them that we don't know from like, Oh, this is a dad. Like we barely know. We barely learn anything. The only like, there's a, a, a two page, there's two pages, which are like a, uh, underground stream broadcast broadcast thing that is talking about how people got their powers and this the the, the bang you know and the, the kind of a an underground news guerrilla radio type situation that ha that's like the only real spark of like oh this is mm -hmm. this is the other this is the perspective this is that that different perspective you want to get from this book and i think that's enough for me to say like I, I think give this a shot. Like a lot of it is I want to read this because of that potential of that, of that promise. Uh, I'm like, I, and I do like the art quite a bit. I really like that. The fight scene at the end. It's like, it is very mm -hmm. manga. manga. He's definitely very good at drawing uh, action scenes. Yeah. And he's, he's a, he's a millennial black man. He is very familiar with Dragon Ball. Yeah. So I, I think I'm a I'm a buy. I'm not I'm not even gonna put any mush on it. I'm just a buy. I think it has it has the thing it has enough, you know, and I'm I think I'm I'm an, it's enough for me. I think it's worth buying, but I am positive that it's gonna continue to be a very beige sort of comic. And I think that they need to who knows what direction they're gonna go into it, but it it, 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 the future that I'm forecasting, it's going to be, it's going to be d straight down the middle. Um, so I, I can't not throw in like, at, let's say two on, on, uh, on my mush meter there. Okay. Um, yeah. That is a double buy static number one season one, uh, with a mush meter of, of one.
Lots of ones. Our last book of the week is Suicide Squad, Get Joker, book one, uh, written by Brian Azzarello, art Alex Maleev, colors Matt Hollingsworth, letters Gary K. Fletcher. This is a uh, a black label book, the adult line uh, DC, which I have so many questions. I have questions. Eric. Okay. Why? This is an adult book, literally. Black label, adult only, 17 plus. Why don't they curse? They do in the back half of the book. But why in the, is that like, I don't, is that like a stylistic because it's like, I'm a superhero, so I don't curse. And then. Yeah, I feel like that's absolutely by design. And if you didn't bring this up, I was absolutely going to. Okay. Um, because I was, I was like, specifically, they have a thing where they say you're taking a shit and they censor, and then like two pages later, there's shits all over the page, um, and they're saying "fuck this" and all the curse words are on the page, and it's it's definitely it's stylistic. It's saying something about you know PG versus hard R superhero movies. Okay, I I, I don't really know what they're doing with that, uh, but it's clearly by design like i don't think it's an accident okay and yeah the whole second half of the book there's fuck shit fucks all over the place uh the other thing i had uh wild dog one of these characters <laughs> a vigilante a character i've never heard of before a legacy dc character that you know uh, a footnote character i think this is hockey mask guy yeah hockey mask guy uh who is an insurrectionist <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, in this book, uh, apparently the people who created Wild Dog are upset that they've done this to him. Uh, they're like, the way we wrote him, he was not that. Uh, I don't think it matters. Hey, who cares uh, about Wild lot, Dog? A lot of bad shit has happened to people yeah. over the past four years. It's shocking what uh, people get hooked into. Yes. So, I yeah, I just wanted to mention it because they were upset because the character i think they have some some degree of affection for they didn't mm. they didn't think that wild dog was they didn't want his name sullied but i literally have never heard of wild dog before i read this comic book so i think they should get over it he's a fictional character that they don't own yeah that's the problem they don't own um if they need to go live above a bar in northern england and uh complain about every movie that gets made <laughs> I was listening to a, a band. I'd, I w I found out there was an Alan Moore has a different band. Uh, uh, they're no longer just the Emperors of Ice Cream. No, there was a different band than that. Uh, I forget the name of it, but I was listening to them on YouTube for some reason, singing a song about mm -hmm. ducks. Um, also, it is a. I think, like Azarello. Malie, everyone involved in this—they're—they're they're talented creators, right? I and I like—I've liked other things they've done. I—I I don't know what the tone of this is, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, or if it's supposed to be kind of up and down and mm. discordant or not. I'm not sure. I really—I don't know. I—it really—I don't know if you know any of this, Eric. Um, they kind of allude to it in this, but they have Toy Man in this book. Yeah, it's Toy Man. Toy Man. I don't know. Do you know anything about... Are you familiar with Toy Man, the character? More from the Hanna-Barbera cartoons than anything. Okay. Canonically, 
in the, and I don't know if this book is canon or not. I they I don't who knows. Black label books sometimes are, sometimes aren't, depending on the whims of DC editorial. Mm-hmm. Um Toy Man canonically is a child a, a child molester. He's a pedophile. Lovely. Like he assaulted a thirteen year old. In the in in the in the comic book. Not this is not, you know, off screen. This is literally this yeah. is what he did. And, not not context, but text. Yeah, this is not yes. And then they just go, "Oh, you're a weirdo. You're a pervert." But then he's still on the team, and he's an integral part of this comic book. Well, this is the thing I don't really want. I don't want any named character to have that as a flaw. No, it all. shouldn't be, and it you're should right. not. But like, I don't think that's Azarello's problem that someone wrote too gritty bullshit of a story. Um, and I think that it is. I find it interesting that What's-His-Name was an insurrectionist. I don't find it compelling or interesting, at least in a context like this, that he would, like, I would not want to see a flaw like that in a character. Like, I think you you have to walk a really fine line yeah, to make that work. They did it in the fucking Venture Brothers, though, didn't they? I don't necessarily like it in the Venture Brothers either. I don't necessarily either. But uh, it was I, certainly a thing that was there. Yeah, it's a, I said that's right around the time I stopped watching Venture Brothers regularly. Um, I also just watched. I'm going to check in with the Suicide Squad movie, the new one, with James Gunn. And I are we me- just jumping into the next segment? No, no, no. I'm I'm not checking in now. I'm saying I'm going okay. to check in this with that. Pre- this is preview. Pre- it's just a teaser because I I literally watched that movie two days ago, so it's very hard for me not to compare the two of these. And I yeah. think it's it's coloring my feelings about this book. What are how do you feel about this? I am very positive on it. Honestly, um, when you talk about the tone of this, like I think that it is. Uh, to me it feels a lot like venture brothers or it feels a lot like uh like the deadpool movie um like oscillating between incredibly stupid and incredibly serious um people are very quippy and snarky god i hate harley quinn in this this would be 30 percent better to me if she just didn't even exist in it but i do like that she has beef with the joker even as kind of rote as that is um i'm mostly positive on this like i think that it's fun and where it ends with the stakes that it's set Mm -hmm. i think is exactly what i want like that was that's the basically the mission statement of what um suicide squad always was is here are these z-list characters that can die at any time and we're gonna tell this gritty story where anything can fucking happen and he has turned that up to fucking 11 um it's it's very interesting it makes me give a shit about a story where the joker is important i um i was gonna ask (laughs) yeah no indeed i i don't care but you give me a team of goofy ass misfits that can literally all be killed immediately well um and they're at the whims of the joker like it does make it interesting like that could be it it, i think it's just more the way that they have done it that it it comes off as interesting it could be fucking complete shit um 
I think the and it does it it doesn't. I like it. I think the inclusion of the Joker in this is maybe a part of mm-hmm. why I'm mixed on it. It's not. I don't hate it because it does do a lot of good things. I and I agree. With, yes. Like it's those little things. It's like oh the tw- the tone thing. Uh, mm, the toy man Did you like the Deadpool movie. I never watched the Deadpool movie because I, I like it a lot. I okay. think it's very good. I think they did a very good job for it. I mean, it's it's it's. I I recommend it. I never saw the second one. And I kind of wanted to. I've heard it wasn't. I've heard it wasn't as good. Of course, I didn't see the first one, so whatever. Um, I think the premise they allowed on this is very good. Um, I think that I the the you know I don't think they're gonna kill the Joker <laughs> by the end of this comic book. Maybe it's just that I don't think they're gonna kill. The, I don't. You know, is Amanda Waller dead? I guess she is. Joker beats the ever living shit out of her. Um, I mean, I don't think any any of these fucking. I I don't think any comic book character is ever dead ever. I mean, I know that. I can't I, wait. Twenty thirty, we're gonna get radioactive Uncle Ben. Can't wait for that. Don't don't put that curse on me, Ricky Bobby. Uh, I'm gonna Ricky Bobby the shit out of you. I need to watch Talladega Nights again. That was a that's a good movie. Um, it's, it's it's got a lot of. It gives me a lot of joy. It's real stupid. As bad as it is. It's, really, it's I, terrible, I like but it's lot. great. Um, oh, yeah. I think I'm a very mixed buy. I think that's where I'm at. I just don't want, like, why? Don't put the Toy Man in here. Don't have, why is that here? You know, uh, I don't mind the, ins- I like, like you said, the, it's an interesting idea that they have Wild Dog as an insurrectionist and he's mm-hmm. part of this team. I like the idea that Joker has the control over both Harley Quinn and Jason Todd's life, you know, along with a bunch yeah. of schmucks that are all going to die. Um, that's interesting. I think I, I, I like Alex Malib's art largely. Um, it's been hit and miss at times, but I think it's good in this. Um, like, a, I think I'm a mushy two. I'm going to go two. Okay. I'm, I'm just a buy. I think this is good. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a a mark for Azarello, maybe. I don't know that he's he's uh he's not necessarily my favorite writer, but I I gotta admit, well he he all he 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 does pretty good stuff. You you know you Eric, you said the magic words mm-hmm. that you like something. I'm a mark. No, that you like something. So that means we have to go find the thing that the worst Azarello thing and read it oh, and yeah. then make you hate it. Yeah, kind of like you made me hate Jeff Loeb. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks. You don't. You, you don't. Prick. You don't have to hate Jeff Loeb. You just have to be conscious of his. I mean, oeuvre. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, That's a double buy that you have to pronounce with your diaphragm. Yeah, it's a <laughs> double buy. <laughs> it's a double buy in Suicide Squad. <laughs> Get Joker Book One with a mush mirror of, of one. Once again, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about what we've been up to the past couple weeks. Uh, talk about, I don't know, nerdy stuff. Stuff stuff we want to talk about. Eric, what do you want to talk about? Um, I have been replaying some old video games. What? Um, the little known uh, video game character. I, you probably haven't heard of him. He's very obscure. He's called Mario. Whoa. Mario Mario? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his brother Luigi Mario. Uh, the Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. the Mario Brothers. Yep, Mario Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I uh, 
sort of not even sure why I just sort of noticed, oh, I have my copy of uh, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which has kind of soured in my mind. Um, it's still very widely praised as an amazing game, and I've been really kind of reflecting on my thoughts on that game recently, you know, having been doing um, the Mario art recently and I on stream, like I drew the bosses, the mini bosses from that game, the Brutals. Um, and I started, I started replaying Mario Odyssey and I think it's an excellent, amazing game. Um, one of the things that's incredible about it is how good the controls and mechanics of the game are like, they're just so tight and consistent and like the camera works so well, like it's really, really good. And the, the, the whole mechanic of the game, um, you know, the hat and like enemy possession mechanic is, is so fun and, and so rich. And yet the game leaves me so cold and I've always thought that was interesting. Even now, looking back, um, it is the least Mario of all the more recent 3D Mario games. Um, maybe save for uh, Mario Sunshine, um, which I have not played yet. Save, um, save. I, I the worst for last. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people hate it, but a lot of people really love it. Like, it's one of the most played uh like one of the hottest categories uh, to speed run. Like it's beloved by a subset of people. Like, I don't know. GameCube was just like that. I was, you know, you can always tell the, you can, that's how you identify the true weirdos, the people who like mm -hmm. sunshine. I, I, I'm sure it's good, but it is also probably not very Mario. It's, it's my problems with sunshine have nothing to do with how Mario it is. It's that it, the mm -hmm. controls make it nearly unplayable, but that's just, everyone says that there's a lot of camera issues with it. Um, and I think that I don't know what it is that whether it was a hardware limitation or what, or they just had decades of 3d Mario games to figure out how to do that. Right. Um, because, odyssey does it brilliantly um like it, it really is like it is a fucking joy to play like it just feels so good mario controls so good like the platforming is so good but it's just like the presentation and so much of it feels so bad i think a thing that i didn't realize um like h bomber guy did a video about it and that's how i heard about it but a lot of people lost their shit online and were very vocal about it when Odyssey, like the first teaser dropped because there was, they led off with new donk city and it was very much this like, Oh, Mario's in the real world sort of feel to it. And everyone freaked the fuck out. And even though that's not what the whole game is, it kind of is the thesis of the game because it's very much about you're traveling to different worlds. It is a journey and an exploration of these little things that are very not Mario. And when I play Mario, I want it to fucking be Mario. <laughs> and that's a big part of what I don't like about this. Like it's like the brutals, like there were, I, um, 
I, I got I had a nice chat about this on stream, and I looked up um, I looked up like concept art for the Brutals and the sort of characters that got refined, like they that that were like the predecessors, you know, and they're so much better. Like they took and made the least appealing version of it, and that's the thing. Like Mario Mario villains are appealing. They should be appealing. And they have like robots that look like the fucking Terminator and and these weird rabbit things that kind of work with Mario and kind of don't. And then like realistic T-Rexes and realistic humans. And I mean, it's done by design, you know, but it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. It's so good and makes me dislike it. It's so not Mario. And an interesting counterpoint to it is, are you familiar with uh, Mario 3D All-Stars that was released last year? I didn't play it, but I know of it, yeah. So an interesting thing that Nintendo decided to do is they released all this shit for Mario 35th Anniversary. They released that collection, which I think is overpriced at $60, um, and then they release for free Mario 35, which is fucking incredible. It's an amazing battle royale game where you play through Super Mario Brothers 1 levels. It's really good. Then Nintendo is like, this shit never happened. You cannot play Mario 35 anymore. Mm-hmm. All the servers for it are just shut down. And they took... Mario 3D All-Stars off of the Nintendo store. It is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you, th- There are still many copies. It did not blow the door down. There are still many copies in stores. I went to two Targets. There were copies in both of them. After seeing that people are reselling copies of the game on eBay and stuff, I'm like, whatever. I'm going to go to, I'm going to, go to this Target and buy myself a copy. Because I have been itching to play Mario Galaxy and have not played it since I had my Wii hooked up to a television going on 10 years ago. I don't even know. It's been a really long time since I've played a Wii game. Um, And every way that Mario Odyssey fails, Galaxy gets it right. Like, Galaxy kind of is coming from this place where... It's weird to say like the um, the um, emotional core, like the well that it's drawing from seems to be very Mario three, you know, um, and it's just so good and it feels so good. And like the level design is so perfectly Mario, you know, where it's like this obstacle course and it's these ideas and it's just. It's so brilliant. Mario Galaxy still remains like probably the best 3D Mario game um, I've ever played. Like I'll probably end up beating it. Like I'm I'm on the moon level of Mario Odyssey. I got it's like one of the last levels and I have completely lost steam on it. Like I don't know if I'll ever finish that playthrough Uh, like Galaxy gets under my skin like i (laughs) fully expect to get all of the stars in this playthrough um just because it's that fucking good 
And it's so weird because it's so much intangible stuff. Like they're, they're going with the grain of what Mario conceptually is and designing new characters that some of them I don't think fit great. You know, like some of them I looked at and I'm like, no, that's not really perfect for Mario, but it's, it's outside of this. So I can accept it. Like it, it works, you know, it's still got the, the right level of appeal or whatever, but they intentionally were like, we're going to make the most non Mario shit we can and let Mario hop around in it. And, and, Part of it works, like, you know, doing long jumps off of buildings in New Donk City is incredible. It's really fun, but it's hideous to look at in a lot of, a lot of ways. Um, and it is also very interesting uh, comparing and contrasting the two after playing both of them back to back. They still had not worked out the camera and control issues that are in... Uh, that are in all previous uh, games leading up to uh, leading up to Galaxy, it is not as tight as uh, Odyssey is. It does not control as well, and the camera work is not as good. But it's still like a head and shoulders better game. Like like Galaxy or uh, Odyssey is like an A minus. And and Galaxy is like a fucking goddamn double A plus. It's unbelievable how good it is. And I and I, I kind of think Galaxy Two is even better. Um, but I don't know how I'm going to get to replay it. I don't know how motivated I am to hook up a Wii. But we'll see. Dolphin. Yeah, it's but, a thing to try. I guess I'm a little I'm a little skeptical. Dolphin works really well. Does it? Yeah. Dolphin's probably I'll the give best. It a shot. I, I'm I'm fussy about. Yeah, I have I don't know. Ever since I got my emulator, I have turned into a. Ever ever since I've gotten my Mister FPGA, I have turned into an emulator snob. I I my I am not, I am definitely certainly not as much a snob probably as you are, but I, Dolphin is one of the smoothest and cleanest of the modern you know relatively modern yeah. emulators. It it apparently probably because I think because the Wii was very simple to uh, yeah to, to emulate um this week on mario talk we're gonna talk I about could, i could i could talk for another 40 minutes about it i know <laughs> i i figured that would be i figured that would be an interesting thing to talk about mm-hmm. they're both excellent and if you've never if you have not played odyssey have you played odyssey mm-hmm. yeah okay i played odyssey it's excellent yeah, it's, it's excellent, it's a, but it, it's a good video game. Yeah, but I think that that's that. I sh, I I uh, this guy I should not be walking away from the new flagship Mario game thinking, oh, it's a good video game. Mm. Like I I mm. do you want to know something about me? I teared up a little bit when I saw the first teaser for uh, Mario Galaxy. That's who you're dealing with here. <laughs> it made me feel the way that the commercial for Mario three did. And that's fair. Odyssey is nowhere near that. I think they, they did a lot of things brilliantly and they did a lot of things wrong, but every, not every game is going to be perfect. They still did very, very well. Uh, the chickens come home to roost, Eric. Mm -hmm. The, the eggs I laid 
uh, 15 minutes ago in our Suicide Squad review uh, are here. They've hatched uh, the Suicide Squad, the new Suicide Squad movie. I watched it. Mm. I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I went went to a theater for the first time in 16 months, 17 months. I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a really good movie. Uh, I've heard a lot of positive things about it. James Gunn, they I I had the question. I'm like, I wonder what how the DC Cinematic Universe would look like if they had given the reins to James Gunn instead of Zack Snyder. Yeah, better. Yes, I I don't know if it'd be like great because James Gunn is also a big weirdo. Uh, but <laughs> I don't well, know. I mean, he's he's not he's not looking to suck John Galt's cock. No, there it is. It is. Uh, it's R rated. It is violent and gory and filthy um no sex really though um shit i mean it it, like in a good way honestly like it's not like because i saw it with kim and she was like i was honestly surprised that there wasn't that you know and it, it like she was happy like oh they didn't just have empty sex appeal in it like even the marvel movies do that sometimes um Mm. But it is, it is a Suicide Squad. It's like the Suicide Squad movie that I'd want to see. You know, where it's like, oh yes, we take a bunch of miscreants and we do we redeem them to a certain extent. You know, we show that there are good, there's good in them, which is like the opposite of all those Zack Snyder movies, where everyone is like, look how dark and grim these superheroes are. And this movie takes like Harley Quinn and Bloodsport and uh, the Polka Dot Man, who's <laughs> and like. These end characters you've never heard of. And really, and does and John Cena is incredible as the peacemaker, I want to say. He is great. John Cena is amazing. That, uh, I think he was unfairly maligned during his era in WWE. I mean, I, I have I respect him a lot more now than I did when I was you know, oh, yeah. 20, oh, 10 or something. I, um, I, 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 I understand why people didn't like him but it was not his fault. It's also really shocking when you like, you don't understand how big he is. Yeah. And cause he's lost mass since he stopped wrestling regularly, but then you put him next to Idris Elba or, you know, any of these people who are not like small guys. He looks like a refrigerator next to them. Mm-hmm. It is insane. He's like, wow, John Cena, you are massive compared to these actors. <laughs> You are a big man compared to them. Um, but he's really, they're all really good. All their performances are great. The writing's great. It's very colorful and full of that garishness. You think of most superheroes. They're not afraid of having colorful stuff. It's not just, they didn't make it all blue and gray like mm-hmm. Zack Snyder did with his color correction on the, his films that make everything look like puke. Uh, it's colorful. The Harley Quinn, this is the best Harley, like I'm so glad that they have moved Harley Quinn away from whatever the hell they were doing with that first suicide squad movie, uh, in this direction, there's going to be, I assuming we're going to get a dozen Harley Quinn movies in the next 10 years or whatever it is. Still Margot Robbie, right? Yes. And she's really good. Uh, She is really good. I think that that's a thing that you could never say bad, even though she's been in what two movies previous to that playing, Harley Quinn and they're you know one I think is average and one is bad 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 this is definitely the best writing she's gotten 
mm. for Harley Quinn and like and James Gunn's direction and how he frames her violence is really clever and kind of illustrates the way she looks she views the world and I think she's not she's she gets most of the laugh lines in the movie um, but the movie's very funny. It is very much like clearly like, oh yeah, you can see why the guy who directed Guardians of the Galaxy directed this too. And, you know, like I like James Gunn even though he's directing like really weirdo horror movies, you know, like Slither and stuff. Uh, this is and he was like when he was working for Troma. Like this is obviously him taking that same kind of viewpoint and shifting it. Like uh, I cannot overstate also this movie is incredibly gory. I do not want to like let this is a superhero movie, but this is like the one of the, this is like as gory as some of the like worst horror movies I've ever seen. Like people's bodies just explode and like blood and guts everywhere. King sharks, a character and he just devours people like directly on camera. It's horrifying, <laughs> but it's real good. I can't, I definitely recommend it. If you want to, it's worth watch. I hope this is the direction the DC Cinematic Universe is going, where we have all tours doing fun movies with superheroes, even if they are R-rated and are violent and whatever. Yeah. I mean, Shazam was actually worth watching. Yes, exactly. I think that it's, it's more of, it was more of that direction, that it was someone who wanted to tell stories and did it in, I don't know. Zack Snyder is a fucking idiot. And... I think all of his movies are some flavor of bad, but maybe you can enjoy them. I like two of them. I, I like... can only think of one that I liked, and it's 300, and it is still... I will not defend it as a good movie. It is definitely bad. 300 is worse in retrospect, um, but uh, yeah. I, was, I like his Dawn of the Dead remake. I like it. Okay. Uh, um, it's worth... You know, it is... It's, you know, it's a remake, and but it is it's fun. Um, I only I only know of it from I think the Scaredy Cats, uh, video on it. I think that's who did it. It might have been Curio. I don't know. Um, Suicide the Suicide Squad is good, and it's really it is a, it's hopeful. I think that's the other thing. Like at the end of the day, it has a bunch of terrible stuff happen to people, and there you know some of the people, some of your main characters are villainous. But at the end of the day, it's kind of it's. Like a lot of superhero movies, honestly, should just be like, oh, there's good in people. You can find it if you look hard enough. Yeah. And that's really all I wanted. And that's what I think a Suicide Squad is. And like, yeah, there's also lots of like crazy deaths and dumb stupidity uh, that you get in James Gunn, like dumb jokes that you get in James Gunn movies. But it's it's really good. Um, I don't know if Marvel will ever let him out of his grasp, out of their grasp again. But we'll see. Because now he's doing Guardians 3, I think, with Thor and all that. Um, the other thing I played a video game, Eric. Oh, okay. A new one. That's never happened. Not, not, uh, not an old one this time. Uh, this is called the ascent. Um, it is a cyberpunk shooter. Uh, third, okay. third person isometric, like Diablo sort of, um, people would joke in the steam reviews like, Oh look, they made cyberpunk, <laughs> but good. <laughs> um, it is, it's good. It's fun. I have some criticisms of it. Like the world is way too big, I think, for how slow you move, and it takes forever to get across the world. And fast travel is not 
Like they did, I I think they really wanted their fast travel system to be like in an in world fast travel system. Like you just don't open a menu on the pause screen and fast travel somewhere. But mm-hmm. the tra- it takes so long to get anywhere. And I when I only want to play for an hour and twenty minutes of it is me spent running across the map. It, that gets tiresome. Like the combat itself and all the combat systems, it's an RPG. You're leveling up abilities. There's different kinds of weapons. You collect different kinds of armor you're collecting and stuff like that. Um, there's there's cyber, there's hacking, you know, stuff too to get through different doors. There's not like mini games or you know, you're not like hacking into computers or anything like that. It's mostly an action game. You're mostly shooting guys. Um, but it the action feels really good. It's really well controlled. You have lots of options in combat. You can just simply be like, I'm a guy who really likes assault rifles. I'm just going to assault rifle everyone all the time. And you can make that work. Or you can be a person who's like, no, I'm going to like do critical hits and grenades or, you know, whatever you want to do. Whatever kind of play style you want, whatever kind of combat you prefer, you can make it work with different builds. Uh, the combat itself feels very satisfying. The the gun sounds, the different types of weapons, the enemies ha- are smart and uh, to different and have different abilities. And you're constantly unlocking new ones that give you more options depending on how you want to play. That's all a lot of fun. Uh, you are basically you play ba- uh, a a uh, a functionally a slave. You play a a a. a um, why can't I think of the word now? Uh, they they existed in history, uh, like in, indentured labor that you are. Okay. I was gonna say indentured servant, but I had yeah. no idea what you meant by they existed. They existed in history alongside real, like complete slavery. This is a functionally still slavery, but mm-hmm. you're you're indent, you're a, 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 a indentured labor. And you're cleaning up messes for your bosses. Things are things are falling apart on the planet you're on, the world, in the city you're in. And you're as you go, you're kind of climbing the social rungs to fix the problems or whatever. Um, I bounced off of it a little bit recently, having gone back to play. And I think a lot of it is when you're not in combat, I kind of feel aimless, and I just want to be fighting all the time because that's mm. the fun part. But when you're running around and trying to like hunt down. The map is very confusing, and a lot of these places you're trying to. Like, I want a quest. I want to. There's. It's marked on your mini map. There's a quest. I want to get that quest. Uh. Well, where I'm at. Oh, look. The quest is actually the quest giver is a level below me. I'm uh, from all accounts on the mini map. I am where that quest giver is. Oh no, he's a level below me. Well, now I have to figure out how to get down a level and then back to them and. The there I there are ways like to, for the map to point you in the right direction, but you have to sort through a bunch of menus every single time you want to change that. You can't track multiple mm. quests at once, which is a real pain. I want to do I want to go out and do five quests at once and come back and turn them all in. Okay, I don't need your. I know you want to be immersive and make me think I'm a really this character. I'm playing a video game, guys. Let me just play a video game. Let me do five quests at once and go turn them in. Prominent uh, reviews on Steam, negative reviews are mentioning quality of life updates and questing problems. So, yeah, it's a, what you're saying is apparently resonating with a lot of people. Yeah, and I and I'm, I maybe they'll fix that or change it over time and up, update it. The game is done extraordinarily well, probably better than they expected. They said they made like five million dollars in the first week or something crazy. Five million sales. Good for them. That's that's great. Smaller developers, I, I'm I'm super over AAA 
development in general. There can be Nintendo games only, and then everything <laughs> else should be like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the combat, like, that's the thing I keep coming back to. Like, oh, well, the, f- the, f- the fun in the game is out there. I just wish it made it a little bit easier for me to get to it. Um, I probably will go back and play it at some point. I'm also still working and playing through Grindstone. Grindstone has like 3 million levels in it, so I could probably play it forever. Still playing Magic the Gathering. There's a bunch of stuff happening that. Also, I just don't have any time lately. I'm still I'm just working a lot and trying to get things done. And I want to read. I want to pick up guitar again. And I don't got no time for anything. I got to walk a dog, you know? It's important. All that dog walking. And pet a dog. Mm-hmm. It's important, too. I'm checking in with petting a dog. Okay. It's a good it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could do it right now. Yeah. Uh, that's enough for me. You ready to talk about Green Arrow? Let's do it. Let's talk about Green Arrow. Uh, we can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about... No, we assign a longer collective work and then discuss it. Like would a book. This is our club. assignment. Yeah, like a book in a book club, Should except it's choose to accept you it. Choose to accept it. Yes, uh, it's a, it's a comic book. Uh, this week we are discussing Green Arrow: The Longbow Hunters by Mike Grell uh, from 1987. Uh, I, I I don't know. We've never read any Green Arrow in book club before. We've read. Uh, we really liked the Ben Percy run uh, with that with that book. I cannot tell you when that happened. My brain has lost that information because we were reading some <laughs> the Ben Percy uh, Green Arrow. We're like, oh, this is good. This is like the best Green Arrow we've read. And then they he left the book. And then we we're like, oh, I guess we don't like it anymore. Um, but we haven't read any book club. I am not super familiar with Green Arrow. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him, obviously, seen him in Justice League and in other miscellaneous DC books. But I've never actually been really a big Green Arrow guy. I've never read his his books. Um and I've always heard this one as like this is the one. You know, the the this the the, the big Green Arrow book to start with. So it, I think it was about time for us to dig in. Um I'm very curious how you feel about this, Eric. What do you think I feel about it? Uh I don't know. I think you probably respect it for its time and place but it doesn't hold up as well in 2021 i think it's interesting that you say that because now i'm wondering what you think about it because that's not what i think at oh, all Oh, okay what do you think i honestly like reading this makes me feel very nostalgic for this era okay because i think this is very well done it's very thoughtful particularly of its time um i mean and it makes me really nostalgic for the Denny O'Neills and uh, uh, the Claremonts and, and this era where we were on the verge of like comic books were growing up a lot, but they weren't all super dark. They weren't all terrible. Um, Like this is a really good tone for this book and this character. Like it's, serious enough it feels real enough it feels grounded enough like it's superhero-y but grounded and i i really enjoy it um i had a really good time reading it and this is for my money kind of perfect um 
Like it, it, it makes me think of like, oh, I forget who the writer was on the, the, the Manipal, uh, Batman comics, the detective comics that we like so much. Brian Buccioletto. You know, it's what Buccioletto really? Brian Buccioletto and Francis Manipal. Okay. I didn't remember it being Buccioletto. I remembered it being uh, a smaller name than Buccioletto. Um, but it's got that really good feel to it. Like it, it knows what it's doing and it does it very well. I also like this art style really makes me happy too. Like it, it feels, you know what it looks just like, I'm going to be embarrassed if this ends up being like, who drew that? I'm going to, I'm going to Google this before I say it. (laughs) So the same artist. It's not the same person. Okay. But it I, I looked up who it is. Um make sure I'm make sure I'm not stupid. Okay. D- David Lloyd did V for Vendetta. Yes. This looks a lot like a lot of V for Vendetta artwork. Even like the transitioning between all kinds of different media styles, um, the backgrounds, like it just feels very V for Vendetta to me. The characters the stylization of them is very V for Vendetta. I mean, and it, it makes sense because it would be DC and roughly the same time period. It would probably be influenced by that. And probably this is a shift to darker toned comics. Um, mm-hmm. So it definitely is pulling from that influence. I, I just think that this is good. This is someone that probably was getting it more right than getting it wrong. You know? Even though it is very, oh, addicted to crack and heroin and is a crack cocaine dealer. And, you know, it still manages to walk the line pretty well. Um, It still manages to work pretty well to me. I'm not wild about all the extensive sexual violence against women. Like fucking uh, Black Canary getting chained up and tortured nude is a little too lurid for me. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I don't, I do not like that. Uh, and it's those things that are quite easy to point at and mm-hmm. look at and say, look, this is, uh, cause that, what I see, like, I think it's interesting. You point out V for Vendetta. Cause all I see in this is dark Knight returns. That's all mm-hmm. I see in this. In is... and it definitely no, it definitely has inherited a lot from that. Because um, this comes out eighty seven, for... basically two years, a year after Dark Knight Returns, and I'm just like them yes. going. I I can imagine the situation. They're like, well, we did that with Batman. Green Arrow is this goofy Robin Hood. Let's make him serious. And I think they'd been doing that already. They even lead off with fucking speedy doing heroin yes this was this was not this was not the first attempt to do that i believe you mean arsenal is he fucking called arsenal it now he's called arsenal now (laughs) i'm not i'm just i mean i that's me joking about the fact they changed his name because speedy is not adult enough speedy speedy is a it's a very venture brothers name it is speed suit Yes, so they change it to um, Arsenal, but that's just that uh, just an illustration of how they t- t- gritty. <laughs> yeah, 
I see it doesn't come off as gritty to me. It comes off like an it comes off like an 80s action movie, you know, um, like a fucking like a like a Charles Bronson movie or Death Wish something, you know, not n- not like Die Hard or something, but one of the ones that's on TV too much. Basic cable. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I don't, I, I, I think this, it's not that this is bad. I don't want to make that. I don't think this is bad. I think this is a, it's a good comic book and it's still very entertaining to read and it's yeah. really well constructed. I think it just also, I can't help but place it exactly where it is. Yes. Like, and that stuff you mentioned with the drug addiction, that was considered when they did those storylines in old green arrow, that was considered very, I don't know. I've been thinking about the Punisher a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I sent I sent a picture of you. I sent a, something in our Discord chat to about like I wanted to read like '90s racist Punisher books because I just want been God. so interested in them because of the history of the Punisher about what that character went through as because mm-hmm. he was constructed in the '70s as an exaggeration as a clear villain at, from like by peacenik hippie types who are comic book writers that's what the punisher was originally intended as look at this ridiculous uh murderer he's a villain but people liked him Mm -hmm. and they liked him so much that marvel went okay well let's take some of them our right-wing writers let them write punisher and then as times changed he became the anti-hero that and then now and then that then that whatever we're not talking about Punisher today, but I look at that the history of that character and Green Arrow before you know in the late in that that early uh, Denny O'Neill era you know seventies early eighties Batman when he, Batman was starting that transition into darker territory away from Adam West uh, Green Arrow was always like the he was the hippie hero he was the hippie superhero who was like very kind to drug users and that whole arc with speedy doing drugs was all about how, and, and this book I don't think is as judgmental about drug addicts mm-hmm. certainly as even though they are still trying to, they, they, I think they, they paint drug addicts as victims. Um, and I think that's consistent. And I think there's other things in this book that are really interesting that are relatively progressive and are different from the dark Knight returns. Or, you know, other gritty, the the books that were becoming prominent in that time period after the success of The Dark Knight Returns, of Watchmen, of an, even of a V for Vendetta. I think that there, the, you can clearly see the, the more thought, you, you use the word thoughtful. That is, I think, the difference is that this book is a somewhat more thoughtful about that stuff. Um, but it's not just like... It's not just like Frank Miller just sitting there wringing his hands saying, oh, the super predators are going to make me do a fascism. They're not going to. There's no there's no operating theater. There's no I'm the I'm the surgeon. This is my 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 I'm a stomp a mud hole in somebody. You know, it's not like it's not that Um, it is. There is. He's Steve Austin. It's Stone Cold I, Steve I, I Austin. I don't know why you saying that. And I want to I want to take the lines from dark knight returns and add because stone cold said so to the end of it 
that's probably I think it's going to make it a much better comic book. I think you, that's your new project, Eric. Just make yeah. dark, remake the yeah. Dark Knight Returns, but with Stone no, it'll, Cold. It'll, yeah, it'll it'll be like it'll be like um, shit, Bart Kira, mm-hmm. but it'll be it'll be like Stone Cold Steve Austin as the Dark Knight Returns. The Stone Cold Returns. Yeah, there's money in that. A lot of nerdy uh, wrestling fans would pay money for that. Uh, let's hope so. DC probably would sue you. Um, I don't care. Fuck them. <laughs> Burn it down. Burn it down. Um, oh, so Seth Rollins? We're doing some Seth Rollins talk today instead of Stone Cold. Oh, was is that a is that a thing he did? His... He did burn down the 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 uh, playhouse. Well, I can't think of what it's called. I thought Randy Orton did that. I thought I know. I'm pretty sure it was Seth Rollins. I, either, that burned no, it I'm referring to Seth Rollins' theme song, which was a perfectly good theme song. But then there was a moment of silence in it, so they said. Have someone yell, burn it down in there. We can't have any silence. Uh, so now oh you God. listen to Seth Rollins' theme song, and it, it's different now. This was like three iterations of Seth Rollins ago. Um, now he has orchestral music that sounds exactly like Bailey's music. Uh, um, all the all the talent that they're squandering. No more midgets. No more midgets. Which, this is also no a wrestling podcast. Year olds. Um, the, I, I mean the age of like that's also the dark Knight returns thing is like green arrow is just oliver is just talking constantly about how old he is how he feels old um and that's interesting honestly to me uh it's an interesting part of this is that they don't there's no like batman now is just 30 years old ever all forever Mm -hmm. batman is 30 even in the future in the current dc book that is set in the future batman is still 30 yeah, he's like 32, and he's got six Robins. They're all six years apart, and somehow you you have to forget how math works for to, to accept this. And but this book is 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 kind of built on, I I think because they make it a part of the theme of of literally time times are a changing. Like Green Arrow says, "Well, I don't kill I don't kill people." And then he kills someone in this book, you know, like, yeah, things are changing. I'm old. I'm getting older. How do I, what do, how do I deal with that? You know? And I think that makes a difference, you know, and it makes it less of, it is that more thoughtful uh, aspect of it. I am honestly surprised you like this art. I thought you would hate it. Why would you think I would hate this art? I don't know. It feel, I don't know. You've, you're very, sometimes it feels like your hit and miss are more like more painterly, more, I don't know abstract i mean of all the people that that there's a version of me that would dislike this yes because there is a version of me that read v for vendetta and i'm like this isn't this this isn't anime i don't like it um but i i it it reminds me i compare it to to v for vendetta and i compare it to michael zully who i love tremendously um it reminds no, me a lot of beautiful uh, and artistic. Reminds me a lot I'm of sorry. reminds me a lot of Neil Adams as well. Yeah, I feel that. It's I mean Neil Adams is a very eighties and nineties DC name. Yeah. Um, who's <laughs> lost his mind? But completely lost his mind. He where did he storm the Capitol? No, I don't think Inquiring so. Inquiring minds want to know. I don't. 
I don't think so. I, I don't. I, Can I, we account for his whereabouts on January? He was too busy drawing a book where Batman fucks a ghost or something. Like there is like literally that, that sounds that that sounds like his mo these days. That's yes. that's the kind of crazy that Neil Adams has become. And he charges yeah he charges fifty dollars for an autograph uh, at Comic Cons or some something. Um, I don't know. It 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 feels a little. I think some of it is just feels a little staged. You know, a little poserly. And I think that I sometimes associate with you with them not liking, you know, stuff that feels a little posed. Well, only when it's traced from a 3D model. Right. This um, is not, obviously. Yeah, this is, this is, if someone's doing like a posed thing, you know, and they're, they're doing it from their imagination, it can, it can be a lot better. This is, I think, is on the safer side. It's not afraid to show its flaws um and it is very artistic like and i think especially given the era that it came out the level of artistry that comes through in this i think is incredible because you think about like the late 80s like the printing technology wasn't there and this is so traditional media it's so soft looking and it still looks great like i don't know if this was sort of remastered it all for the digital versions that we're looking at. It's possible that it was, I'd be interested to see how like an, an old scan would look. Um, but it looks incredible. It looks really good. And I like it a lot. It's the kind of thing that I would have thought would be impossible to be in a comic from 1989 or whatever year it might've might been 87. Which year was it? 87. Was it 87? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I find it interesting. I, I, I just, I think it tells the story really well. And I think it has a lot of care and sensitivity and art artistry in it. And those are the things that I think I respond to. Um, it used to be, I responded mostly to appeal, but I, and I don't think this is unappealing, uh, but I do think that it's it's a, it's not exactly Mickey Mouse appealing. It's, you know, probably on the more appealing side of the center, um, as opposed to being like Steve De Dillon levels of unappealing. <laughs> Speaking of appealing. Mm hmm. There I think there this is the other thing that I, I think really stands out um, in for a 1987 comic book is the fact that they comment about green arrows looks a lot mm -hmm. and his sex appeal a lot. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit because like, obviously there's a lot of, you know, when, you know, superheroes are drawn a certain way, you know, like Batman or Superman, you know, it's, yeah. it's people often like, Oh, well, you know, that is still technically male gaze because it, that's the way men want to look. You know, they mm -hmm. want to look big and huge and muscle bound. Um, and then just like John Cena, just like John Cena. And the counterpoint is often uh, something like Nightwing, you know, where he's lithe uh, or skinnier, you know, and, and more appealing to that is more appealing to a, to a female reader. A lot of the time, you know, Nightwing has built up that that reputation. And you look at this book, and Oliver is not big and muscle bound. Mm -hmm. 
He looks mostly like he's fit, but he 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 doesn't look. He's not Superman. He's not Batman. Uh, he's not even Nightwing, really. And yet, there's still like this. There's a lot of there are multiple moments and uh, multiple women in this. Never a man, of course, but multiple women in this comment. Like, oh, he's cute. Oh, look at his butt. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, look at his arse. Yeah, and you're like. That's I think that's those are like interesting little things where you have an older superhero who is not big muscle bound dude who they I don't I I'm the, I'm like I'm like what is the motivation to have uh you know female characters constantly are are complimenting him for his looks I, I like it's not a thing that happens in other like when was when did you read a Batman comic book where they like someone's like ooh Batman I think this book actually does a very good job. And this is one of the reasons that I'm very drawn to it, even despite the fact that so much of it centers around violence against women and sexual violence against women. There's no textual uh, rape or sexual assault in this, uh, but it is a lot of uh, women being murdered um and and Dinah being naked and stabbed, although where we don't know. Um, it does have a lot of thoughtfulness put into the fact that this character is Japanese and there's all this backstory and it says it says well the Italians and the Germans weren't rounded up. It was only us who looked different and that it is in the head of all of these women uh, before like you, you, you are given the chance to understand how they feel before they're attacked. And like we you, like this, this main antagonist, um, we get a lot of who she is, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think for this era, like that's kind of incredible. That's an incredible level of empathy for a non-white person, for a non-male person. Um, like, I think that's really remarkable, despite the fact that it has these things that I don't like. It's still going out of its way to say these things. And I think it, 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 if it's willing to walk in those shoes like it's it's it is it feels sensible that that would be reflected that someone would say oh well that's you know don't mind looking at that you know i only noticed the one time and it was when the lady cop said it i don't remember any other times when it happened the uh i, th- I believe it the 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 homeless lady i think she mm-hmm. she mentions I believe that's Mad Hattie or whatever her name is that was in the Sandman. I believe she's a recurring DC character. Mad Nettie? I can't think of it. I believe she's a recurring character or I'm just a nut. I mean, both can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. You're not wrong. But they, they, they mentioned that also the, uh, you know, when he's the, you know, he's, he's, it's very, I don't know, like, and Errol Flynn, it is that kind of like charming, like yeah. oh, I'm a I'm a gentleman. I'm I you know he offers a dance with those women he he saves from a, a purse snatcher. We see you know n- naked Oliver Queen, 
you know. I believe we see the outline of his dick in this. We do. We get some. We, we see Oliver's queen. His bow and quiver. Okay. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Doing my best. Uh, all the villains are like ancient. You know, they're old, corrupt white men who all get arrows in the chest. So hmm, that's something too. They all get. They all get killed by uh, this. This. Uh, the, the dragon woman mm-hmm. uh i i think that's the i i think that's what stands out to me like the uh, the collection of those parts where you give a book that it, like oh we want to make this book thoughtful and mature and i mean mature in not just full of violence and nudity and cursing but mature in like it is about yeah. mature themes but we want, it, but it comes on the, the the heels of books like The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen, where you know now there's a big push to accelerate that in a marketing sense. Like we know that yes. these will sell well, so let's make this adult. There's nudity in this comic. There is extreme violence, which is what you would not necessarily see in the mainline DC universe books. There's men with mustaches buying cocaine. Yeah. I one dude has a pretty good mustache. Uh this is a very mustache heavy book. Yeah, it is. There's like, you know, Oliver has one. Multiple of the villains have one. Mm-hmm. There's Oliver looks a little bit like in some of these scenes, looks like a the same Elliot. He looks like a like an older Sam Elliot even. Which is not the same mm-hmm. Elliot that existed in eighteen eighty seven. Mustache is a little thin to be Sam Elliot, but that's true. I don't necessarily disagree. He's got that long face the way he does. Yeah. Um, but I I also like understand now. I think why this has become that seminal Green Arrow book. You know, when people would say, "Oh, I have never." What's the Green Arrow book to read? Oh, read the Longbow Hunters. It's a good one. Yeah, I wish Donna could have you know done something in it. I think that's my only. We've mentioned we brought that up a couple times, but you know she just kind of is a plot device largely. Yeah, I don't particularly like that. Why the fuck is her hair change color? Explain that to me. Is it just a wig? I think it's just a wig. Yeah, that's strange to me. Yeah, how, it, who's it, gonna fucking? How are you gonna? How are you gonna beat people up and do high kicks in a goddamn wig? I think you're lucky if you can lip sync it without your wig coming off. It's a real good wig. I guess so. It's the best. She paid $300,000 for it. I Oliver paid $300,000 for it back when he was still rich. Mm-hmm. That's I okay, that's okay. Okay, that is a I mean I mean it's a thing they don't want you to think about at all. But the book starts off telling about how he's lost all his money and he needs a job. How does he afford this big old house and and stuff? Like what is he doing? I think it's like how every sitcom it's about you know, people that like are waitress a restaurant and they live in New York City and but they're renting a six thousand dollar a month apartment. I, it's I'm like and then at the end of the, the, the book, he gets like millions of dollars in uh, in cash in a, in a duffel bag. I think it was wasn't it just like three hundred thousand dollars or something? Oh, was it? I thought it was a lot. I, I thought I mean, it. I mean, three hundred thousand dollars is a lot. The, but... the what they were what they were saying was worth a lot was all the cocaine. Okay, that's fair. I believe the purchase price was three hundred thousand something dollars. I can find that probably. It's in here somewhere. Three hundred fifty. 
Okay. Yeah. That is the number. How'd you beat me to it? I'm so mad. I'm very smart and fast and good at everything. Well, I think you are very stupid and you suck and you smell like butts. Only two of those three things are correct. You have to decide which two. <laughs> this book is fun. I'm I am um a little saddened you didn't have quite a good a time with it as I did. I mean, I liked it. I think I just didn't I I think like a lot of things, I've been thinking a lot about the I don't know, the I was talking about the Punisher earlier. I've been thinking about about that. I just watched Suicide Squad, and I think like the the thinking about the the grim like I, it's very hard for me to disentangle this book from its legacy and from the idea that oh we have to make him darker and a killer and like that is mature and thoughtful in a way, but also is it for the best in the long run? Do like I don't know. I don't know. It's all complicated. This book is good. I don't want to don't don't take anything I say as like this book you shouldn't be read. You should read this book. It's it's worth it's worthwhile. Uh, mm. I I think it is a it's a found kind of a foundational book probably for re- modern quote unquote Green Arrow. But who knows? The nineties probably threw all that in, into. I'm really curious what the hell did they do during with the Green Arrow during the nineties? So I have no idea. Like I know what they did to poor Aquaman, but. Like the Green Arrow suddenly just start like having bolt like like his he his like his did his arrows like did he start shooting guns with his bows like his his arrows were gun arrows and they shot little bullets I don't really want to know the answer to that honestly I don't think I do either no um anything you want to add Eric um no okay I'm good okay Green Arrow Longbow Hunters Mike Grell it's a good book you should read it um next time. Uh, I need to, I just literally just said this up and then decided to close it for some reason. Um, the way of the house husband, we're going to read the first five volumes of way of the house, husband, uh, a manga by you want to do the cat book. I thought we were doing this first. <laughs> I'm okay with either one. I totally thought we were doing the cat book. Did you order the? You didn't order the cat book, did you? I didn't order either one yet. Okay, then don't worry. We're, we'll do the way of the house, listen. Don't worry about the cat book. That's fine. Okay, I'll read about the cat book. I don't care. Let's do way of the house, husband. I think we'll have more to talk about. <laughs> We're doing the way of the house, husband, the manga by Kusuki. Oh no! Do you need me to read it? To maybe Kusuke Kausuke. It's the first name I'm really having problems with. Kosuke. 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 Kosuke Uno. Mm-hmm. Just, just think, think Kinsuke Nakamura. That's that's Shinsuke Nakamura. That's true. Excuse me. That's true. Um, that's you don't you don't say Shinsuke. I mean, not unless you're you're you're, you're unless JR. you're a dumb dumb. Yes. Uh, that's next time. We're gonna read the first five trades, first five volumes of it. Um, right along with us. That'll do it for us today. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. There's links to everything uh, on there, all our social media. Uh, if you like the show, please give us a great review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, leave us a great review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. All those things help us out. We appreciate it. Uh, I am online on Twitter, at Robbie Darman. That is my name. 
my website is also my name is RobbieDorman.com, which has links to all the things I do, all my other my other podcasts, and all of my horror novels. You should purchase all of them. But my newest one is Death Rattle. It is about a, a, a an ornery, grumpy redneck in a small di- small dying town in Texas, defending it from greedy vampires. You should buy it. It's on Amazon. Um, yeah, Eric, where can they find you and your things online? Oh, what a fun question. You can see my portfolio at freewillunlimited.com, and you can see many of the things I get up to online at ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my various social media, uh, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, where I'm known on these services as Easy Goodnight. With that, folks, we will call today. Have a good one. Rock and roll.